The following is an Auburn Network production. You are on the line. Live on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goertz. You're on the line here on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. Happy Thursday, everybody. Hope you're doing well on a overcast but a beautiful day here in the Auburn Opelika area. This is On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. My name is Jacob Goins with you on ESPN 106.7. We are inside the Auburn Plaza Bar and Lounge Studio as we are each and every day from 2 to 4 p.m. Tons to talk about on the show today. It is Thursday, October 19th, 2023. We've got some Auburn football recruiting news to talk about on the show today. Uh, It is guest heavy. You know how it is on a Thursday afternoon around here. We've got uh, three wonderful guests on the show today. Uh, So we're going to start by talking some Auburn football, some recruiting news, uh, continue to look ahead to this weekend with Auburn and Ole Miss coming up on Saturday. Want to look around college football as well, start looking at some of those big matchups this weekend. We've got some news in college football as well up in Ann Arbor. Uh, Crazy stuff going on up there. So I definitely want to talk about that today. No Brad Law from the Auburn Sports Network. Uh, Had a last-minute meeting that he had to get to, but it works out okay. Uh, We're going to miss Brad, but uh, he will be back with us next week. Uh, But this morning, I got to sit down with Auburn's head volleyball coach, Brent Crouch, great friend of mine. Uh, If you have not been keeping up with with the program, uh, they are doing some really, really special things. And I sit down with him uh, once every couple of weeks and we talk about his program. And so I've got that interview for you. That was this morning, sat down with him as they have a game coming up, uh, a match coming up tomorrow and on Sunday in Neville Arena. So that'll be at 2.30. Then, at 3 o'clock, we're going to be joined by head coach Keith Etheridge from Auburn High School Football. Uh, Didn't have him on last week. They had a bye week, but back in the rotation this week as they got their win over Opelika a couple of weeks ago, and they have Central coming up tomorrow. So, excited to talk to him at 3 o'clock. And then, of course, Chris Gordy, host of the Locked on SEC podcast, will join us at 3.30. So, it is a busy show today. There's no doubt about it. Very, very busy, but... How are you doing today? What's on your mind? What do you want to talk about? 334-321-1390. That's the number to get you through to me. Give me a call. I want to hear from you on the phone lines. 334-321-1390. Tons to talk about. And as I mentioned, want to start with the news, uh, some Auburn football recruiting news, which it's interesting because we've been talking about Auburn football recruiting a little bit in the last few days have we not we've been talking about it and we've been talking about it from the fans from you the fan the listener about maybe a little bit of concern there right about having some concern when it comes to recruiting since Auburn is on this little bit of a skid here in the middle of the season well 
didn't really affect Kendarius Reddick, who is the number one athlete in 2025, who is a massive get for Auburn in the 2025 class. Kendarius Reddick ranked number 41 player overall, number one athlete, and the number seven player in the state of Georgia in the 247 composite rankings. And he announced his commitment to Auburn earlier today. He visited Auburn in the spring and then came earlier this fall. And what a massive win this is for Auburn to get this young man. According to the article by Christian Clemente, good friend of ours over at 247, says he's six foot six foot uh, and 165 pounds. Uh, he was being primarily recruited as a defensive back, had major offers from Arkansas, Alabama, Ole Miss, Florida, Michigan, Kentucky, Georgia Tech, Tennessee, and UCF. That's a lot of big-name schools. How many SEC schools is that? One, two, three, four, five, six, plus Auburn, so seven SEC schools. Half the conference wanted this guy, including Alabama, including Michigan, out of the Big Ten, and he chose Auburn. The number one athlete in the 2025 class. He's a top 40 player overall in 2025. That's huge, 41 technically, but still, this is a massive gift for Auburn. And this is a momentum shifter for Auburn. And it's still a little early, right? It's still early, but you also had the defensive lineman earlier this week, Jordan Crawford, who committed. So there you go. You have a couple of guys that are in this 2025 class and some big ones at that. You have Jordan Crawford, like I just mentioned. You now have Reddick, who I just talked about and who committed today. According to this article, I'm just looking at the list. Malik Autry from Opelika, right here in town. And J.K. LeFalk. And Spencer Dolent, the offensive tackle. You have a good list. And according to 247 and their team rankings, Auburn's 2025 class is now number four in the 247 sports team recruiting ranking behind Georgia, Alabama, and Notre Dame. How about that? How about that for 2025? How about that for some recruiting? How about that for a splash? For a highlight? That's got to make you feel good, right? As an Auburn fan, does that give you any more confidence? Does that give you any more excitement about what is happening with this program? And it's interesting because I texted our good friend Christian Clemente earlier, and I said, I said, a huge get. And he said, no doubt. It's some, it gets some momentum, right? And that's exactly right. He said it's some momentum that is building. And I think that's the truth. And there's been some concern from you, the fan, and the listener, again, because of what has happened this season with the 3-0 start and now the three-game slide. But I don't think that's an issue because a lot of these guys understand what's happening here. And I think I talked about this a little bit yesterday. We had some callers asking about it. A lot of these players understand what they are committing to, right? 
they understand that Auburn was not going to be playing in Atlanta this year. They understand that Auburn was not going to be a 10-win team this year. They know that. right? They know that this is a new coach, a new staff. This program is trying to be revived, literally, from some of the darkest days that I've ever seen Auburn football be in. The recruits know that. And I'm sure the coaches are telling them that. As a matter of fact, I know they're telling them that. It's like, look, here's what this season's going to look like. Whether they talk to them in the summer, early fall, back in the spring. It's like, look, 2023, the record may not look super sexy. But here's what I can tell you is that we're going to show some improvement and we're building for the future and we want you to be a part of it. And you're going to see some holes in this team where you would be able to fill in and make us better when you get to campus. And I think you're seeing that right now. I think you're seeing that on the receivers, even in the defensive room. Take the injuries in the defensive backs. Wouldn't you love to have a guy like Reddick right now? Kendarius Reddick, who's a top 40 player in, in the 2025 class. You're telling me he's not going to make this team better when he steps on campus? He absolutely will. And that's the recruiting pitch right now. And so they know that even if this season ends and Auburn only has six wins, they understand they understand that there is positive momentum. Now, there's still work to be done. You've got to get some wins. And we've talked about that at length on this program. You've got to get some wins. And I think those wins are coming. But you want to talk about a win in recruiting? This one right here. Kendarius Reddick is a player. Go watch his film. There's a reason he's the number one athlete. That means he can just flat out play. And whether he plays DB when he gets to Auburn or whether they move him somewhere else, I don't know. But this is a win in recruiting. 334-321-1390. Let's get to the phone lines here on the Thursday edition of On the Line. You're on the line. Who am I speaking with? Uh, hey, Jack, this is Ed. Hey, Ed. How are you, man? I'm doing fine. Let me put that seat down. Don't see you. I'm just from out of a convenience store. I was going to call you about a couple of things. Okay. And, uh, one of them was, as far as he freezes the coach, listen, I'm, I just turned 63, so mm-hmm. I'm an old man. And I'm going to tell you, if you age, you'll realize that a lot of things really don't change as far as your anxiety. And you say you've got to get into this conference. And just let things go, however they go. Listen, uh, have you ever watched the movie uh, of the Lambs? The what? I'm sorry. Silence of the Lambs. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. In there, you know, one of the big clues was, you know, how how do you know what a man image? You know, what is he saying? Look at what he covets. Mm-hmm. 
covet right now is recruits. And if you want those recruits, you cannot be bland on Saturday. You have got to, even if we fail, you have got to show them something exciting. You've got to give it a chance. Mm-hmm. But, I, but I was going to ask you about something else on the program that come on before you. Uh, the, the host intimated that if Georgia won out, they didn't deserve to be in the uh, college football playoff. Mm-hmm. And uh, I guess that's saying that he is now saying SEC is no longer relevant in college football and that whoever they played in the championship, it, that the SEC has completely gone good. Is that Am I the only one that thinks that's not the most insane thing I've ever freaking heard? Well, I, I'm going to be honest, Ed. I didn't hear what Doug had to say, so I can't really make a full comment on, on what, what he said. But, I mean... I can tell you exactly. I can tell you exactly what he said. He said that if the other undefeated teams won out and Georgia won out, that Georgia did not deserve a place in the in the college football playoffs. That well, is exactly what he said. Well, it, it, if that is what he said, I would disagree. Um, <laughs> I mean... Uh, um, it, and I told him, I said, if, if the same situation was applying to Alabama, you would be saying, well, Alabama didn't have any control over Oklahoma pulling out. I, I mean, that is the most insane thing. That, that is exactly what he said. And, and I, I, you know, and he, of course, he, I can't talk with him because he starts hollering. But uh, I, what, what do you think of that? Uh, well, here's the thing: um, the SEC this year, it, it's down. Let's just be let's just be honest, right? The SEC compared yeah. to what it is in the past, it is down this year. But no I, matter, I but no matter what, Ed. If a team goes undefeated in the SEC, you deserve to be in the college football playoff. Let's just let's just say it what it is. If you're undefeated in in the in your entire schedule, non-conference and in conference, I don't care if it's Georgia, I don't care if it's Alabama, I don't care if Vanderbilt finds a way to do it. You deserve to be in the college football playoff because the SEC no matter if it's a down year, it's still the premier conference in college football. So Doug Amos does not think so. Doug Amos told me point blank today. He does, he, and he was very adamant and very, frankly, kind of a, you know rude. But he doesn't think so. so. So I just want to put that out there, and that's something for you callers to you know something for y'all to say. If, if Georgia goes undefeated, or, or listen, listen to this, okay? Let's just say that every one of them uh, we come out. Alabama beats Georgia in the SEC playoff, mm-hmm. and all the other teams have one loss that he was talking about. He would be screaming that Alabama deserved a place in the playoffs. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, uh, all, right. all right, guys. Peace. Yep. Appreciate the call, Ed. Great to hear from you. 334-321-1390. Um, on that but again, really quickly, it, again, I didn't hear what, what Doug said, but it, it, to take Ed's word there, if that is what is going on, 
not even to comment on that, just to look at it as as a whole right now. Had a great conversation yesterday with with a caller about the craziness of college football right now. Because it is crazy, right? We talked about all the different situations that are happening and could happen with a four-team college football playoff this season. You have, looking at the top 25 right now, teams that are alive halfway through the year, these teams, in my opinion, are still in the running to make the college football playoff. Are you ready for this? Georgia, Michigan, Ohio State, Florida State, Washington, Oklahoma, Penn State, Texas, Oregon, North Carolina, Alabama, Oregon State, Ole Miss, Utah. I don't think Notre Dame's in it anymore. Duke, Tennessee, USC, Missouri. I mean, just realistically, if you look at their record, I think you're starting to stretch it a little bit. But look at the top 17 of the AP poll right now. The only team that I don't think is alive in the playoff is Notre Dame. But I think all of those teams in the top 17 away from Notre Dame, I think if they continue to win, I think they're good enough to make a playoff. And I think if they continue to win, they will make a playoff. Now, of course, not all of them. You only have four spots. But a lot of those teams play each other, whether it be the Pac-12 or the Big Ten or the SEC or the Big 12. Those teams are all going to play each other. But when it comes to the SEC, is the SEC the best conference in college football this season? No, it's not. I'm just, to be honest with you, it's not. But overall, as a whole in college football, year in and year out, yeah, the SEC is leaps and bounds above everybody else. We know that. And it's only going to get better when Texas and Oklahoma joined the conference in less than 12 months. Does the SEC still have the best coaches in the country collectively? Absolutely. Does the SEC still have the best talent in the country? Absolutely. But do I think the SEC this season, right now in 2023, is the best conference in football? No. But collectively overall? Yeah. And those are two separate things. And so anytime that a team goes undefeated in this conference, you deserve to be in the playoffs, no matter what the format is, no matter how many teams they allow in. So again, whether that be Georgia, if they continue to win out, they're the only ones left that are undefeated in this conference. You have Alabama. If they went out and beat Georgia and Atlanta, why not? I think they would deserve a spot. What about Tennessee? What if they beat Georgia? What if they went out and win the SEC, right? There's so many different things that can happen. But the SEC right now is not the best conference in college football this season, but it's still the premier league in college football. I hope that makes sense because I firmly believe that because I still think the Pac-12 is the best conference. They have the best teams this year. Now, Can the talent, player by player, team by team, position by position, can they match up with this conference? No, not even close. Not even close. We know that. No conference can. But the SEC's down this year. But that doesn't take away if a team like Georgia goes undefeated, they should still be in the playoff. 334-321-1390. 
321-1390. Give me a call. We'd love to hear from you on this. Auburn football recruiting. Auburn football looking ahead to Ole Miss this weekend. Lots more to talk about when we get back here on the Thursday edition of On the Line. Would love to hear from you on the phone lines. Come in, be a part of it. We'll be right back. You are on the line on ESPN 1067. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. Let's get back to the phone lines here on the Thursday edition of On the Line, 334-321-1390. Terry, you're on the line, man. What's up? Hey, Jacob. This young man that uh, uh, came in today, I've heard not a lot about him other than his height and weight. Can you tell me his name and where he's from and everything? I can, yes. His name is Kendarius Reddick. Uh, Kendarius, okay. K-E-N-D-A-R-I-U-S, Kendarius Reddick, R-E-D-D-I-C-K. Um, he is the number one athlete, the number one rated athlete in 2025. Um, he is primarily recruited as a DB, uh, safety a lot of times. Um, but in this 2025 class, according to 247, you know, there's multiple sites that rank it all differently. But um, 247 has him as the number 41 player overall the number one athlete, and the number seven player out of the state of Georgia at, in the 247 composite rankings. Now, my only got just mind-boggling that when you went through the list of, of schools that were recruiting, you mentioned Georgia. You mentioned Georgia Tech, but not Georgia. Uh, Georgia is not on that list, correct. That was surprising because a, a, a player of that caliber not listed by a two-time national championship team? Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, but... Alabama's on there, Michigan's yeah. on there, Tennessee's right. on there, Auburn obviously right. on there. So I mean, there's still good schools, and you know, oh, I'm not really plenty of good schools. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not sure what the situation. Maybe, maybe Georgia was happy with the the guys that were above him that they were recruiting, or maybe other guys that they thought fit better. I'm not 100 percent on sure on that, Terry. Or maybe it could be this that the, the, you just it's like kids out of Auburn to go to Alabama, or kids out of Tuscaloosa to come down to Auburn. Yeah. They've just been beat over the head with it for so long and so often, they want to get away from it. I don't know that. Yeah, but, which, you know. that's uh, yeah, that, I mean, that happens too, or it maybe could have been a thing where Georgia, and not that Georgia gets scared of Auburn by any means, but maybe they saw no. Auburn pushing so hard and they were like, you know, we're just not, you know, we're not going to waste our time there and we'll go somewhere else. I don't, I don't know. I still, I still, I still can't get over Auburn, Alabama. He's the one recruiting Phillip Rivers. <laughs> yeah, you're right about that. So, um, on the Auburn Ole Miss game this weekend, I want to make a comment on it. Yeah. Jake, remember a couple of years ago when Ole Miss coming here with Matt Corral and supposedly unstoppable offense? Yeah. That, that's that's kind of how the feels. Now, I'm not in no way, shape, or form predicting an Auburn victory. I'm just saying it was the same type thing. They were coming here. Auburn clubbed them pretty good that year, I think. Yeah, they did. Um, so, Matt Corral was a you know, big-time pro prospect, and you know, Ole Miss couldn't be stopped, and and – you know that type of thing, and and I just I just I don't know. I don't think Jackson Dart is near as good as the kid at LSU. I think he's good, but he's not the good as that kid. Yeah, I think they're two different. I just think they're two different players. And if you remember, Ole Miss had a the passer. I think Ole, or Ole Miss had a quarterback battle this this mm-hmm. spring, summer, and fall. Right. I mean, it was not a hundred percent fact that Jackson Dart was going to be the starter. Now we were pretty confident right. that was going to be the case, but that right. is not a hundred percent fact. And so I don't think he's near as good as Jaden Daniels by any means. The stats would back it up, and 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 but he is a really good quarterback, and Auburn better be ready for him. Oh yeah, there's no doubt, but. You know, Lane Kevin, I've always thought Lane Kevin was that kind of coach. If you got into a scoring contest with him, he'd beat you. But if you made him play a little defense and made his offense struggle, but he'd, he'd panic in the end and, and blow, blow the game. Yeah. I'm not, again, I'm not predicting a victory by Auburn because they're scary. 
But I am saying, you know, sometimes it gets in your head a little bit. And when they come down here two years ago with Matt Corral and that offense, they supposedly couldn't be stopped. Yeah, right? that, that team you scored, uh, I think that team scored 20 points, Terry, that Matt Corral team in 2021. They scored 20 points. He went uh, 21 of 37, threw for 289, and had a pick. Which aren't bad numbers. No, I mean, didn't have a touchdown, but he threw a pick, so didn't do anything super yeah. crazy. I don't know. I just, I don't know. I just, we'll see. I don't, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. I mean, I think it's, I quite honestly think Justin, uh, Jacob, I think he might be a, a uh, must win for Auburn, quite honestly. You think um, it's a must win this weekend? I do. Wow. I do. Because they've just lost three in a row, and you got to show there are no signs of progression. And that's, yeah. that's the part. Now, Jacob, where do you stand on this? Um, this uh, the, the the players won't Robbie Ashford. The rumors start to creep out there a little bit. I mean, I would understand, right? I would definitely understand if I mean a change. I I don't think it's a a bad thing if they're asking for it. If they're just expressing their opinion, right, Terry? And I don't think it's a, sure. a thing. And, and look, I'll comment on that coming up against a break. Great to hear from you, okay. man. You too. Take care. Appreciate it, Terry. Great to hear from you. I'll comment on that as we go along because I've started to hear that too. And you know what? I don't think it's the end of the world because a lot of people are calling for change as well. We'll talk about that later on. My interview with Auburn volleyball coach Brent Crouch coming up. You are on the line with Jacob Goertz on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. 30 minutes into hour number one here on the Thursday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. My name is Jacob Goins with you on ESPN 106.7. Well, we normally have Brad Law uh, from the Albert Sports Network on Thursdays uh, who joins us at 2.30, but uh, he got tied up in a last-minute meeting. So this morning, um, we're probably I was going to play this for you tomorrow, but it works out just fine. This morning, uh, I was pleased to be joined by Auburn University University's head volleyball coach Brent Crouch great friend a great guy great coach and I've talked to him uh, a couple of times throughout this season and as I mentioned if you're not keeping up with Auburn volleyball you need to get on the train because people are starting to pick up on it this is a really good program top 25 seven weeks in a row they went on the road and swept a top 10 Florida team beating them for the first time ever at their place Um, just great things happening and so They've got matches, home matches this weekend, tomorrow night on Friday and Sunday afternoon. With a home football game squeezed in between, there's no reason for you not to be at Neville Arena, whether it be Friday or Sunday, to watch this Auburn volleyball team. I sat down this morning with Auburn volleyball head coach, Brett Crouch. Jacob Goins, host of On the Line on ESPN 106.7, with me in the studio today. Excited to uh, welcome one of my favorite guests that I get to talk to uh, throughout the fall is Auburn Volleyball's head coach, Brent Crouch. Coach, great to have you back in the studio, man. It's been too long since we've talked, uh, but you've had a few things going on. You've been a kind of busy man so far. Yeah, we've, uh, <laughs> we're about halfway through the season, and uh, things are going well, and happy to be here, Jacob. Well, I'm trying to remember when it was the last time that we sat down and talked. I think it was right around the Alabama showdown uh, when you guys were taking on South Alabama, UAB, Sanford right before SEC play got started. And, and you know, you guys had an interesting non-conference schedule that included Florida State, SMU, um, you had um, Georgia Tech even in the exhibition. And so the non-conference schedule was, was pretty good. And then you got into 
SEC play going into that was there was there a confidence with this team going into what is a really really tough conference in the SEC I know that's kind of far back back in what September uh, so over a month ago but what I guess what was the confidence level going into conference play like you know, it was uh, it, very confident, especially after the Florida State SMU weekend. You know, both of those teams are, uh, I think they're both right around 30, 29 in the computer rankings, RPI stuff. So those are both top 50 wins on the road. Um, Florida State uh, at this point, actually SMU too, I think they have one loss in their respective conferences, 6-7-1. and one. Wow. Um, so, you know, th- that was the second weekend. Um, and uh, those wins for sure set us on the right path in terms of confidence. Uh, after that, you know, we, we, we really have been dealing with a lot of injuries. You know, we had uh, Kasha Anderson was out the next weekend. Um, Bella Bell went down with an ankle injury. Zoe was out a little bit. Sarah was out a little bit. Um, so really the, the fact that we got as many wins as we did after that uh, was a testament to the depth that we have on this roster. We have 18 players, and they are good all the way down through number 18, and we have needed everybody on this team uh, through the preseason. So um, heading into SEC play uh, with everybody on the roster getting some time out there, I think you know we felt really good heading into it, and uh, things have been going so well so far. Well, you got into SEC play. You opened up at home in Neville Arena. At the time, it was the number three team in the country, Florida, coming in. Uh, probably the biggest game for Auburn Volleyball inside of Neville Arena. Um, and you get it all the way down to the wire in the fifth set, and you fall just a little bit short. How was the the response in the locker room after that? Again, I know this was about a month ago now, and mm-hmm. there's been a lot in between there, but that one that was a tough loss, I feel, for this team. I, I'm curious on what the response was, and we're going to talk about how they've responded since, which has been really well, but after that game in particular, what did you see from your squad? You know, um, I, I didn't know exactly how they would respond. You know, my message right after the game was um, – you know, I hope you're taking away some confidence for this. You were, you were right there. You had a chance to beat this team on your home floor. I'm really proud of the way you played. And, uh, you know, I hope you're walking away here thinking, yeah, we're a really good team and, and we can play with, with top teams. And uh, so that was the message I gave them. But, the, you know, the message they gave me, you know, over the next couple of days was just a lot of anger, frankly. <laughs> they, were, they were like, they, I don't think they've liked that message that yeah. I gave them. They're like, hey, we don't need you to tell us that, that we're uh, good enough to play with these teams. They like, know it. Yeah, they absolutely knew it. And they were ticked off that they, you yeah. know, we, we really just let them off the hook. We were ahead in that fifth set. We were ahead in that second set that we lost. And uh, we just kind of made some errors at the end. And uh, you know, they were very excited to get back on the road and play them. You know, we played them only a couple weeks later. Mm-hmm. And uh, so the response, you know, immediately was no one was hanging their head. It was, it was, it was really just frustration and like set them up again. Let's, let's go yeah. play them tomorrow. Yeah. And I think that's got to help, right? I mean, knowing that, you know, when you look at the schedule that they are, they were in the, in their sights, right? You knew that you had another chance at that team. It wasn't one of those games where you only see them once in the year and you're like, well, crap, now we don't have another chance unless we see them down the road somewhere in in postseason play right that had to help to be able to look at the schedule in just a few weeks and say okay now we have a chance to do it to them on their home floor yeah I I really think so and we had some really good practices after that leading up to that uh that that uh road 
road uh, victory, and uh, you know, which I'm sure we'll talk about in a second. Of and course. South Carolina on the road too it was a great road weekend for us. But that, the, yeah, I, I think this team is very confident, and uh, they're excited to play the best teams in the country, and they expect to do well. Well, since that Florida loss, your team has bounced back extremely well. You had the win over Ole Miss. Uh, you dropped a tough one on the road at Arkansas, a top 15 program. Um, that was a three nothing defeat there on the road. But then you go and you beat Georgia. And then you get to that game against Florida on the road. And I don't think anybody looked. Florida at the time was still a top 10 team in the country. And I think it would be silly for people to assume that, or for somebody to say, yeah, I had Auburn going and sweeping Florida on the road, given what happened just a couple of weeks before. But that's exactly what you guys did. You went on the road to a top 10 team and beat them for the first time ever in Florida and a sweep in Gainesville. Take me through it. I mean, the emotions have to be incredible for you and your team. Yeah, you know, the team showed up with just tons of energy uh, in the morning. We had a little practice. Uh, You know, you could see them kind of just feeling good. And I I knew that we'd show up and play a good match. I didn't know. You know, you never know where it's going to go, right? you got to play the game. Um, But, uh, you know, it was kind of back and forth in the first set. And, uh, you know, we got some momentum right at the end there, tied it up, 23-23. We get get one more point. And... uh, and then Maddie Shear stuffs Anna Dixon on the left side. Just, She's so good. Yeah, just straight <laughs> down, you know, to win the set. Um, you know, the blocks that are straight down and, and plays like that, you know, they're, they're only worth one point, but they're worth so much more in terms of momentum and mm-hmm. confidence. Um, and so we win the first set, 25-23, and then, you know, we sight out pretty early in the second set. And then Bell Zimmerman goes back, and she's one of our most effective servers. And she gets on a run, and she's just blasting them. Uh, just really effective serves. There's an ace in there um, and just got them in trouble. We got up, I think, 7-2 pretty quick in that mm-hmm. second set. And I, I really thought that that serving run um, just rattled them, you know. And uh, I thought they started panicking a little bit. And, uh, you know, we, we – start running away from them a little bit. I'm not sure exactly what the score was in the second set. Maybe they scored 19, something like that. Uh, and then the serving run just kept going in the third. And then we just, I think we dropped a 17 or 16 on them in the third. And they just were never comfortable after that, that, that block at the end of the first, that big serving run in the second. Mm-hmm. And uh, those things can happen, you know. I mean, we just took it to them. And at the end, uh, you know, I really felt like, you know, this wasn't just a win. I mean, this was a dominating victory. And... Uh, uh, to, you know, to do that on the home floor of uh, Florida on the road, you know, never been done. Um, really exciting. Where does this rank for you? We, we've had this conversation a couple of times, which is is really unique for you um, in your short time here on the Plains. You've been a coach forever in volleyball, but where does that win for you in your entire coaching career, not just at Auburn, but just in general for you? Where do you rank that with NCAA tournament wins and SEC wins just in general? Where do yeah. you put that going on the road and beating a top 10 team in dominant fashion like that for the first time in program history? You know, there are, you know, it's hard to know exactly where it ranks, but uh, right. I, can, I can say that uh, I, I have. I have box scores, all right, from the big matches okay. that I print out. Okay. And uh, I don't have them up on the walls yet, but I'll, at some point I'll frame them and I'll get them up there. there. You go. But I've got only five of them wow. in my entire coaching career that I have printed out that I thought were just, you know, program defining wins. And uh, one of them was Creighton last year in the first round of the NCAA tournament on the road. And the other one was Florida wow. this year on the road. Those are the only two I have printed out, you know, from my time here at Auburn. And, and they, 
you know, they're uh, they're up there. You know, if only I think I have five printed out total mm-hmm. for my whole career. So that's where it ranks for me. Well, these are definitely program changing and program defining wins. I mean, that's exactly what these are. When you can do something that's never been done in your program's history, and you do it in dominant fashion in response to what had just happened a couple of weeks ago. I mean, that speaks really, really highly of you as a coach, your entire coaching staff, and all of the girls that you have on this team. Um, when you when you look at this squad leadership wise, who are you seeing throughout, especially after that Florida loss? Leadership wise, who's stepping up? Who are the who are the loud ones on this team and, yeah. and, and, and rallying people together after a loss against Florida or even on the you know, when you got swept against Arkansas to really rally together for what's been a really good stretch in SEC play? Yeah. Um, you know, we've got we don't have team captains on our team. Um we, but that doesn't mean we don't have leaders. And the reason we don't have team captains is because I, I, I just think there's times and places for everyone on the roster. When you've got a smaller roster like this, mm-hmm. there's always a time and a place for somebody to step up and do something and lead in, the, in you know, in whatever way, you know, they're they're ready to lead in. And um, after that match, uh, you know, people who are typically vocal on our team, Jackie Barrett is vocal. She's our senior setter been doing it a while, just incredibly competitive and confident as a, as a human being. Uh, Jordan Sinis, who is actually redshirting this year, mm-hmm. is one of our vocal leaders, actually. Okay. Yeah, she she is. You so know, from the sidelines, then? From the sidelines. Okay. You know? So she's, uh, you know, when, when fans are watching us, when they show timeouts, we don't, the staff typically meets for the first 30 seconds or so and mm-hmm. doesn't talk to the team, lets them cool off, get some water. Uh, but during that time, you will almost always see Jordan Sennis leading a talk in the huddle. That's awesome. All right, yeah, yeah. She's coming off some injuries, so hasn't been playing this year. But she's she's somebody that I know the team looks up to. Uh, you know, um, other players I think lead more by what they do. You know, on the court, and uh, we saw Maddie Shear and we saw Kasha Anderson just dominate on the left side uh, in those matches, and then. You know, Kasha got some recognition from the NCAA, you know, blasted through all their social media channels. And then mm-hmm. the next Monday, Maddie Shear gets National Player of the Week. How many times have you had that in your career? I'm I, curious. Uh, I think I've had one, one other time. Wow. Uh, I think that was when I was coaching at USC. That's not just SEC Player of the Week or anything. Mm-hmm. Like, that is National Player of the Week. I mean, yeah. that is the best volleyball player in the country for this past week. And that, that was a huge honor. Oh, huge deal. The last one I had is currently on the USA National Team. Okay, so, well, that's you know, a that's a pretty big flex. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, you're not, you're uh, if you get recognized like that, then you're you're one of the best players in the country. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, not only did you have that, this team has been ranked in the top 25 for weeks and weeks and weeks now, and that's something that has not been done in Auburn volleyball. You got ranked for the first time, and I think it is a huge deal not only to get ranked, but coach to keep that ranking, and I think that's extremely difficult to do. Uh, Absolutely. It's been seven straight weeks now. And, uh, you know, it's just even more of a big deal because, you know, I mentioned these injuries before. I mean, we have really been devastated by them. You know, we when we lost to Arkansas, part of that loss was Arkansas was good, but it was also our third game in five days. That's um, that's really tough. And yeah, and and Bella Bell, you know, she was trying to come back from an ankle injury. She, you know, probably should not have played at all against Arkansas. And then we shut her down after that. She's been done for three weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, Zoe, you know, tore her ankle up right before that game. We walked out there. Kendall Kemp, you know, our, our big, you know, dominating middle blocker did not play. She was down with an ankle injury. So mm-hmm. we were out multiple starters. Uh, versus them, and uh, you know they 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 took it to us. Um, but the fact that we've responded with all these wins since then, 
uh, with just shifting lineups consistently. Uh, I'm just really proud of everybody who's been stepping up. And, um, you know, we're finally getting a little bit healthy, so we might see some of these players back out there. And uh, so, you know, the confidence has been good, but I think there's also a lot of underlying confidence of, like, what we can become because we really have not had a starting lineup out there since we played SMU in Florida State. Talking with Auburn's head volleyball coach Brent Crouch here in the studio as we look ahead. You got the win on the road against Florida. You backed it up with a win on the road at South Carolina. Um, you had three straight road games in volleyball. Does that happen a whole lot in conference play? I feel like, I mean, when you look up and down schedules, that doesn't seem to be a common theme. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, scheduling is always one of these things that all the coaches, you know, would like to be better. There's always a complaint, right? We're always always going to complain, uh, you know, about (laughs) it. So, uh, you know, you you deal with the cards that are dealt you and, you you know, you... But, uh, yeah, it was tough. It's good to be back back at home here against Missouri and uh, um, looking forward to a a good match. They're, you know, 36, I think, in the RPI at this point. So they're they're not ranked overall, but, uh, you know, if we can get a win against them at home, that's another top 50 RPI win. And, you know, our resume is really looking good for an NCAA tournament bid. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, Missouri coming up this Friday, um, and then you have South Carolina on Sunday. Uh, Friday, 6 p.m., first serve there in Neville Arena. Sunday is 1 p.m. against South Carolina. So two uh, perfect opportunities with a home football weekend. I mean, you've got plenty of opportunities to come out and see Auburn Volleyball. I'm reading it's Dig Pink on Friday and Disney Day on Sunday. Was that your idea? Was it was Disney Day your idea, Coach? No, uh, I'm not going to claim Disney Day as my idea, but I can tell you my two sons are pretty excited about it. <laughs> I mean, what what does that involve? Do you have any idea? Or are the day involve you in any of those decisions? I'm, I'm not involved so much with that. I'm the X's and O's guy. There you go. Uh, I think there there might be some giveaway key Disney keychains uh, or something okay. like that. But okay. I, I am involved in the stuff that goes on after the game. We do uh, kids clinics after almost every. Sunday awesome. match and uh, our players run that so uh, you know kids that, that come to the games and want to play a little volleyball you know and just hang out with our players afterward it's usually about 20 minutes or so do a little passing a little setting and um, I don't run it they run it and it's just a great opportunity for families to uh, connect with some of our players that's great that's yeah. really really neat well you're looking at what about the back half or maybe the back two-thirds of the schedule now in SEC play anything that you want to see from your team I mean you have to be just overly top impressed so far with what you've seen but as you get deeper into SEC play, what are you looking for from this team as you go on through what's going to be some really tough matches in the next yeah. few weeks? Yeah, uh, two things. We want to just we want to continue to grow our level of consistency. You know, the best teams aren't the ones that do it for half a set or two thirds a set or one set. You know, they're doing it for three sets. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, we are the we're searching for that. You know, at times we look really, really good. Tennessee, we lost Tennessee on the road. They're, I think, nine or something in the country right now. And uh, still with some people out, but at times we were dominating them. You know, took a set from them. We were up in some other sets, but, uh, you know, we're still just looking for just a little bit more consistency overall. And uh, that's going to come. Our team is still primarily sophomores that are out there. That's that's so crazy. Yeah, it really is. So the consistency is going to, it's going to come, you know, and um, we're excited about that. The other area is we want to continue to grow as a serving team. Okay. Um, we are, uh, we have an aggressive style of serving and that leads to some errors. Um, but, high risk, uh, high reward. Type high of risk, thing. high reward. And when you're when you're playing, like you know, look, we're not setting our sights on being a top twenty five team. We want to be a top ten team. Yeah. And uh, 
if you know if you're serving medium balls over the net just like a pitcher throwing just easy little you know bloopers out there you're mm-hmm. just going to get crushed you know you you have got to be aggressive and uh, so we're doing that and so that's a work in progress for us and uh, when it goes well, like it did against Florida, that's that's the kind of wins you can get, yeah. you know. But uh, so that area we want to continue to grow in, and uh, I think it'll set us up for a nice run in the in the NCAA tournament. Well, Auburn volleyball playing well right now, fourteen and four overall, four and three in conference play. That home record looks nice, seven and two, and you have a chance to improve on that this weekend with Missouri on Friday and South Carolina on Saturday. Auburn volleyball coach Brent Crouch again. Thank you so much for your time. Great to see you. Uh, you guys are playing extremely well. It's fun to watch you and your team. And again, uh, looking forward to having you back in the studio in the next couple of weeks and hopefully talking about some more wins. Absolutely. Thanks so much. And War Eagle. That was this morning. I sat down with Auburn head volleyball coach Brent Crouch. Love talking to him. Love uh, giving him a chance to talk about his program because uh, the things that they're doing right now, it, it truly is incredible. They're setting records and doing things that have never been done in Auburn volleyball before. So uh, if it, it, that's just, it's just so incredible to watch. And I really do enjoy talking with him and, again, giving him a platform to talk about this team. Go check him out Friday, that's tomorrow, against Missouri, Sunday against South Carolina there in Neville Arena. We'll be right back, wrap up hour number one here on the Thursday edition of On the Line. Noble here with Dixie Electric Plumbing and Air. We need help in the fight against breast cancer during our Catch Me in Pink campaign. Right now, our team is wearing our official pink clothing. When you catch them, snap a photo with them and upload it to our website to win great prizes. Dixie will donate $5 to the Joy to Life Foundation for each picture. Visit calldixie.com slash catchmeinpink. License number 15033. You've waited 279 days for game day, ready to cheer on your favorite team on 12 Saturdays. One new camper van to tailgate with thousands of your closest friends. You love all seasons, but this one is special, like your one and only bank. Troy Bank and Trust has a location near you. For every financial need along life's journey, rely on us today, tomorrow, and always. The only bank you'll ever need. Troy Bank and Trust, member FDIC. Experience and knowledge from the pros. Russell Dewitt Center at Building Supply. Russell Building Supply is your hometown home improvement store. You'll find what you need when you need it. And as a Russell Rewards member, you'll be in the know about monthly specials and exclusive offers. Russell Building Supply, East University in Auburn, across from Cary Creek Public. Experience and knowledge from the pros. Russell Dewitt Center at Building Supply. are on the line on ESPN 1067. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Wrapping up our number one here on the Thursday edition of On the Line. Again, big, big thank uh, thank you. Shout out to uh, Auburn's head volleyball coach, Brent Crouch. I've really enjoyed getting to know him over the past couple of years and really in these last few months, uh, bringing him in the studio, sat down. That was this morning. I sat down with him this morning and got to talk with him and and talk about that program. And and look, they're on a roll, man. They're on a roll. So go check them out this weekend. Auburn Volleyball, uh, he was telling me about 
about all the things they're doing for the kids and everything they're doing uh, with the with that program. So go check them out. As we wrap up this first hour, here's what's coming up in hour number two. This is when it really gets busy on a Thursday. We're going to have uh, Auburn High School's head football coach, Keith Etheridge. He'll join us on the phones coming up at the start of hour number two. So right there at that three o'clock hour, he'll join us as he does every Thursday. Didn't have him on the show last week. They had a bye week. So figure we give him the week off. He, we, he will join us coming up in the next couple of minutes. If you remember, two weeks ago, Auburn played Opelika. And this game came down to a singular point in the last 10 seconds on a game-winning touchdown scored by Auburn High. We're going to talk to him about that game, about that drive, about that play, and what they took into the bye week and how they're preparing for an undefeated Central Phoenix City Red Devils team coming in to the Duck tomorrow night. So really looking forward to that conversation coming up in just a few minutes. Then we're going to have Chris Gordy, host of the Locked On SEC podcast, my longtime Thursday guest, He'll join us. Taking a break from baseball for a minute to talk a little SEC football. Chris is uh, he's there out of Houston, and the Astros are in uh, postseason play right now. So he is going to take a break from that, talk a little football with us, get us caught up around the SEC, talk some recruiting results from last weekend, and previewing a couple of big games coming up this weekend as well. So that's what's coming up in hour number two. Don't go anywhere. The Thursday edition of On the Line continues when we come back ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goertz. You're on the line here on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika sports leader. Happy Thursday, everybody. Hope you're doing well as we get underway here in hour number two on the Thursday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. My name is Jacob Goins with you on ESPN 106.7. If you missed any of hour number one, be sure to go and catch up with the podcast later on today. You can find it at ESPNAU.com or just search On the Line wherever you get your podcasts. We post it commercial-free 
each or after each and every show. So be sure you go and find that. We had a couple of good phone calls in that first hour talking Auburn football recruiting with the big pickup today. Uh, we also uh, had my interview with Auburn's head volleyball coach Brent Crouch as they are back home this weekend in Neville Arena with two great matches tomorrow and on Sunday. So if you missed any of that, that'll be in the podcast from hour number one. Here's what's coming up in hour number two. We're about to get to the phone lines and talk with Auburn High School's head football coach Keith Etheridge. Then later on, we'll have Chris Gordy, host of the Locked On SCC podcast. But don't want to keep him waiting any longer. Coach Etheridge, great to hear from you, man. I know we were off last week because you were off last week with the bye week, but great to have you back on the program, man. I appreciate y'all having us on. Well, it was a couple of weeks ago, but... I know you still got uh, some recollection of it because, man, what a game it was just up the road there at Bulldog Stadium when Auburn High took on Opelika, two of the best teams in the state, went head-to-head, and it ended up going the right way. 31-30, to the final score. Auburn High taking down Opelika on the road. Man, I mean, I, I don't know how you put it into words, but I'm going to ask you to do it. What did that win mean for you and your team? Uh, I mean a lot. You know, it's it's a it's a big region win. You know, of course it's a rivalry win. You know, our kids played great. You know, we were down thirteen with about six minutes left and and made a little run there in the fourth quarter and scored with about twenty seconds left on the clock. You know, on a fourth down and six from the six yard line. So, you know, it was a very dramatic game. You know, and I think everybody got their money's worth. You know, <laughs> I thought it was a great game. <laughs> yeah, I'd say so. I mean, when you talk about talk about dramatics i mean you can't you can't draw it up any better than that like you mentioned 20 seconds to go fourth down game on the line final play and your guys figure out a way to score and get it done and then of course stop up like at the very end as well you mentioned that you were down 13 in that fourth quarter your team had to get a score a stop and a score and that's exactly what they did. What was the message at that point where, I mean, it it was a tough sledding all night long, but you had to do those things, and you did it. What was the message to try to get that done? Well, they've got a great defense. You know, Oak has really got a a really good football team. Uh, Eric does a good job with those guys over there, and I think that, you know, uh, we knew coming into the game points were going to be tough to find. You know, um, we need to create some turnovers and get some stops and, you know, just – just make some big plays. And in that fourth quarter, our guys made some big plays. We we converted, I want to say, five or six third downs uh, and two of them were third and ten plus, you know. So wow. um, just on that last drive. And Henry Allen had a great game. He, he played great in that fourth quarter. And, you know, uh, Omar Mattson played great in the fourth quarter. Our defense came up with stops in the fourth quarter. You know, second half, we – we played really, really good defensively, and you know they've got a lot of weapons. Uh, got a really good team. Their quarterback is probably the best quarterback in the state. Uh, you know the Gagliano kid. He he can sling it, can pull it down and run it. Just a real, real good, just quality ball player. Not mm-hmm. only, not just a quarterback, but a, he's just a winner. You know, and uh, the the plays that Henry Allen made there in that fourth quarter. Uh, you know, pulling the trigger, he 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 kicked it into another gear. You know, and that just shows that he's a, he's the same thing. He's a winner. You know, he's he's a kid that's already committed to play baseball at Mississippi State. Just you know, tough, hard nosed kid, and just a great young man. So, um, and and you know, all the guys made huge plays. Like I said, Omar Mapson, Tyler Flakes, uh, 
Griffin McLean caught that last pass for for the touchdown. You know, you had uh, Ian Nation made a bunch of plays. Uh, uh, Cody Cody Palmer. You know, all the receivers did a great job of catching the football in that fourth quarter. Um, and you know, the offensive line blocked great, and then our defense came up a big stop. So it was an all around team effort. We we talked about it going into the game. You know, this this ain't going to be a game where you know. One person goes out there and just dominates. It's going to have to be a collective team effort because they have some really good players. Well, for people that don't know, you've been dealing with uh, injuries at that quarterback spot. Your starter went out early in the year, and Henry Allen has stepped in and played extremely well, uh, leading this team to to just back-to-back-to-back-to-back wins. And then Omar Mapson, his all-purpose yards are just insane. I mean, whether it's on the ground or in kick returns or receiving, I mean, that guy is all over the field on offense, Coach. Yeah, and he's he's a kid who's already got D one offers. He's just a tenth grader. Gosh. You know, he's going to be a an elite kid. Um, you know, there there'll be a you know next two years. I feel like after after this year, I think a lot of, in a lot of those games we step on the on the field with those big boys. I feel like we'll have the best player on the field. You mm-hmm. know, that's a, that's a good feeling because um, you know you step on the field with the Hoovers and the Opelikas and the Centrals and, and teams like that. And you feel like you got a best the best player on the field. You feel like you got a chance. And Omar's one of those one of those kids who can make plays from all over the place. And just a quality young man, great in the classroom, great you know, uh, great ambassador for your program. Auburn High School is six and one overall, four and one in region play thanks to the win a couple of weeks ago against Opelika. Does it mean more to beat Opelika because they're your rival, or does it mean more to get another big win in the region? Well, it's a it's a clean rivalry, you know. I've known Eric for a little while, and Eric does a great job with those guys over there. And you know, the we're we're next door neighbors, so you know, when you play your brother out in the front yard, you want to you want to come out with the win. That's you know? right. You want to you want to beat your buddies a lot, sometimes a lot worse than you want to beat you know guys that you don't know. So uh, yeah, it's a it's great to get that win, but uh, again. You know, you want them to win a bunch of games too. We want we want them to win every game but one <laughs> or two, two. Even when we play them in the playoffs, that's right. We had to play them again in the playoffs. So, but you know, uh, we root for those guys because a lot of those guys are guys that my kids are friends with. Yeah. So they're rooting for them. You know, on on other weeks, and you know, uh, we just we just want to get that win when it comes down to us playing them. And I think that uh, after that game, you know, our, our guys were super happy and you hate for anybody to lose a game like that because it was such a great football game um but you you definitely want to come out on the good end well it was a really really good game 31 to 30 auburn high taking down opelika just a couple of weeks ago we're talking with auburn high school's head football coach keith etheridge during the thursday edition of on the line here on espn 1067 you went in after that on a much-needed bye week, yeah. Coach. And yeah. uh, hopefully that was a chance for you guys to kind of rest up, get healthy, kind of re regather yourself for the back end of the schedule. Sort of a late bye week. I mean, you had a lot of games before this yeah. bye week came up, but you're on a five-game winning streak. So uh, anything particular that you guys did during the bye week to just do all of those things I mentioned, just kind of reset for the end of this season before the postseason? Yeah, I mean, you know, we – we gave them off uh, Sunday. Uh, coaches came in, just just folks talked a little bit and you know watched a little film and stuff. But gave them off on Sunday. Came back in Monday. Um, went went uh, for about an hour and a half. You know, um, 
just did a lot of walkthrough stuff and, and things like that. Um, did our regular week, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, then Friday. Um, brought uh, Gave them off on Friday. And then um, came back in on Sunday, brought the guys in, and we started prep for uh, Central Phoenix. Mm-hmm. So um, just tried to stay as normal as possible, but give them a couple of days there to, to get their feet under them and, you know, just try to uh, – get some of those bumps and bruises and, and dings and, you know, get some of that stuff healed up. And I think that, you know, I think that we're, we're, we're getting to where, uh, we're a little more healthy. Yeah. I think the week off helped us a little bit. I mean, we still got guys that ain't going to play, uh, because of injuries and stuff. And we did lose one guy during practice last week. And that, but that happens at this time of year, man. You just can't, you know, you can't avoid it. Cause if you, if you go hard at practice, you know, you're going to get those little dinks and stuff. And, you know, all, I don't think we've lost anybody to a season ending injury yet. So, you know, we, we get some of these guys back, you know, toward when we get closer to the end of the year. Well, you got to be blessed to to not have any long term injuries, but I mean, you yeah. got to go hard and practice because you're going up against the best yeah. teams in the state. I mean, you got to practice like you play, right? Absolutely, because if you if you if you go go in slow mo, you're gonna get out there on Friday night, and it's gonna be way too fast for your guys. You better believe so, it. Yeah, and and that that helps to go a little fast. Well, that's going to be the case this Friday, tomorrow, when you're yeah. playing Central Phoenix City, who is seven and zero. And there's no, we don't have to tell you, and you don't have to tell us that the <laughs> about this rivalry between Auburn High and Central. Yeah. I mean, the, these are two schools that let's just be honest, Coach. They don't like each other very much, and these kids know each <laughs> other, and and uh, they they see yeah. each other in football, basketball, baseball all season long. Yeah. What can you tell us about that Central team in particular as they've gotten off to that seven and zero start? Well, they're just, they don't have a lot of weaknesses. You know, you can't find anything on film where you can exploit. You know, they're really good all over the place. Um, they got a, they got an all-state middle linebacker. You know, their defensive front's really, really good. Got an Alabama commit. Got, you know, uh, on the back end, I think, I think three or maybe even all four of those guys have D1 offers. Mm. Um, so, you know, and all over at receiver, they got, Three guys who, who can, three or four guys who can really go. One that's one of the top five receivers in the nation, you know, with the Coleman kid. The quarterback's having a breakout year this year. He's, he's throwing the ball, you know, really, really well. Um, you know, they got offensive linemen who have power five offers. And, and, you know, they're just loaded everywhere, you know, and it's hard and, and they're well coached, you know. Patrick does a really good job and, uh, you know, I, I think that he's got one of the best teams he's had in a long time. He's, I think they're more talented than they've been in a long time, and that's why they're ranked number one in the state right now. A game like this really is cool to, to me in the sense of when these two teams get on the field, whether it's your offense versus their defense or their offense versus your defense, it's schools like this and games like this that really represent and get to showcase the amount of talent that there is in high school football in the state of Alabama, which has been on the rise for years, yeah. Coach. You know that. I mean, that's, that's what I see yeah. when I see a game like this between Auburn High and Central. Yeah, they they've got so many like um guys who can who can make big plays and, and that's what scares you. We gotta we gotta try to keep them from doing that and you know, um and w- I think we do a good job of playing well as a team and you know, just just getting getting the ball to to some of our guys who 
who we hope can make make some big plays. And you know, a uh, lot of talent. There'll be a lot of talent on the field. You know, tomorrow night it's it's going to be exciting and. You know, we're really looking forward to it. I, I tell our kids the other day, how many times do you get to play the number one team in the state? Yeah. Take advantage of it, you know, leave it all out there on the field. And, you know, um, you know, and, and, you know, if you give it everything you got and, and you come up short, at least you, you can walk off that field where you had hell high and, you know, just push to get ready for the playoffs and, and try to get them, try to get to get to play them again. Yeah. And luckily for you guys, the field you're going to be on is Duck Sanford, and you're going to be at Duck Sanford yeah. Stadium playing at home uh, for what? Just the the third time all season long, Coach. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean that's that's yeah. just so crazy to think about. And we talked about it way back in the beginning, but yeah, yeah, the third time this year, you're finally back home at the Duck, and it's going to be loud and crazy tomorrow night. I have a feeling. Oh, it's going to be packed. It's going to be packed. It'll be a great high school atmosphere. Uh, the Opelika atmosphere was unbelievable. I mean, the atmosphere at that game was unbelievable. It's a playoff type atmosphere, and this week, this week, tomorrow, will definitely be the same. You know, so we're excited. Um, our kids are excited. You get to play in a, a huge game like this, two top five teams getting to battle it out. You know, and you know, we're just we're just trying to trying to see see where we stack up against the best. You have Central tomorrow, then Prattville, and then Smith Station before the postseason. It's right around the corner. I know that's crazy to talk about, Excellent. but it is right around the corner. Auburn High six and one. Central is seven and zero. Oh. It's a battle of the two of the best teams in the state of Alabama tomorrow here in Auburn, playing over at Duck Sanford Stadium. Auburn High School's head football coach Keith Etheridge. He joins me every Thursday at three o'clock here on ESPN one zero six seven. Coach, as always, thank you so much for your time. I really do appreciate it. I enjoyed this conversation and good luck to you and your team tomorrow night in what is a massive massive game appreciate you brother we're looking forward to it yeah everybody needs to come out to the game friday night and then go watch Auburn beat Ole miss on saturday <laughs> <laughs> that's right coach good luck tomorrow night again we appreciate it thank you guys appreciate that is Auburn High School's head football coach Keith Etheridge who joins us every Thursday here on the show at 3 o'clock to talk about his Auburn High School football team coming off the win against Opelika and they have the number one team in the state coming in tomorrow, the Central Red Devils. So uh, should be a really, really good game. If you cannot make it out there, of course you can find the radio broadcast over on our sister station Wings 94.3. Scott Bagwell, Rob Pate, Jack Hutton, all those guys will be on the call pregame 6.30 kickoff at 7 over on Wings 94.3 also tomorrow night you got to flip back and forth. I'll be on the call for Lee Scott Academy. We'll be uh, on the road at Fort Dale, taking on the Eagles of Fort Dale. This game uh, for us uh, is for the two seed overall in our playoffs. And so uh, for our region, this is for the number two seed. Glenwood's number one. Lee Scott is number two. Fort Dale could take over number two if they were to win tomorrow night. so And what that means is, whoever gets the one and two seed, you get a first round by, host the second round before going on to the state championship game. So tomorrow's a big game for Lee Scott, but man, Auburn and Central, that is a massive, massive game. I mean, I don't have to tell you how big that is. And, and like I told him, it's these types of games, you are seeing D1 talent, SEC Power 5 level talent, 
playing high school football. Like it is really incredible to watch, and I hate that I won't be able to be there. Uh, but I'll I'll get word about it. I'll watch film on it. I mean, it's these are the games you want to be a part of. And so if you can't go out and and, and see the game in person, it's going to be packed. You better believe Central fans are going to be there. Uh, listen to the game over on Wings ninety four three. When we come back, we'll talk some Auburn Ole Miss. We'll talk some college football. What's on your mind? I would love to hear from you. We got a window here for just a few minutes. If you want to call in and be a part of the show i'd love to hear from you 334-321-1390 because coming up at the bottom of the hour at 330 chris gordy host of locked on sec he'll be joining us to talk about the southeastern conference so give me a call come on in i'd love to hear from you here on the thursday edition of on the line you are on the line on espn 1067 Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. Back inside the Auburn Plaza Bar and Lounge Studio here on the Thursday edition of On the Line. Got a few more minutes before uh, we get to Chris Gordy, host of the Locked on SEC podcast. He'll join us at the bottom of the hour at 3.30. So let's get to the phone lines while we have a little bit of time. 334-321-1390. Mark, you're on the line, man. What's up? Hey, uh, got a comment or two. Okay. So, I think that, you know, in the past, in the same goes for now, that Auburn fans are a little more impatient than any other fan base that I've seen. And this is what I'm talking about. Is there anybody, when they looked before the season, that realistically thought that we would be anywhere record-wise other than where we are right now? I don't think so. I mean, it, it would be pretty hard to to say otherwise unless Auburn, you know, and I talked about Auburn having to beat and needing to beat somebody they weren't supposed to, which that's what these past three games were, were teams that you were not supposed to beat. So, and, and realistically, it was probably only going to be one anyway. So, no, it, I mean, I don't think hardly anybody should have looked to this point in the season in the preseason and said the record should be better than what it is right now. Exactly, and that point, you know, and we looked at it in four game. you know, before the season we talked, and we looked at it in a four-game stretch. Mm-hmm. Ole Miss is the opportunity to win the one that, you know, realistically you're not supposed to win. They're a ranked team, high-powered offense. Uh, defense is much improved over some of the Ole Miss defenses, even though it's still not, uh, you know, it's not, I'm not going to say it's one of the nation's best, by any stretch, but... Uh, it's definitely better you know, than it's been in the past. You're right about that. that. That is correct. So, with that being said, a lot of fans seem to be panicking a little bit, thinking that the results that we've had on offense, which I agree, they're not... It's like we can't make up our mind what we want to be. It's like we haven't decided, do we want to run the ball? Do we want to mix in the pass? And I get that but they're afraid that the recruiting is suffering because of it. And I just don't see that. I think our recruiting started suffering maybe the last two or three years with Malzahn. And I wouldn't even say during Hartson because I don't even think we had any recruiting during that time. <laughs> no, no, the recruiting did so, not exist in that time. But, you know, I think people just need to relax because we're on pace to be, you know, I'm, I predicted us to win seven games, and I still think we're going to win seven games. I think it's a solid we, prediction. 
if we get through this game, you know, it's possible we could hit eight, win that one tomorrow, and, you know, who knows what these next four are going to do. Mm-hmm. Because as hard as the last four were, the next four are going to be more manageable. You're much so, more manageable. You know, and I think with the recruiting, I think Freeze um, is right on track with where he wants to be. He knew he had to build a team, and he knew he had to get the players in place you know, he's got a quarterback recruit. He's got receiver recruits. We got another athlete today. Yep. Um, the recruits keep coming. I know we had a couple of decommits, but realistically, you know, the one from South, uh, that committed to South Carolina, I didn't think he was coming to Auburn anyway. He had South Carolina at the top most of the time anyway. So I think we're right on pace with where we need to be. And I just think a little, I wish Auburn fans would be a little bit more patient and, Give it time. Give free time to work his stuff, and we're going to get there. That's we're right. definitely going to get there. It is. And, and right. you bring up a great point, Mark. I appreciate the call, man. Great to hear from you. Have a good day. Yes, sir. You Have too, man. Great to hear from you. You bring up a really good point. Think back to the conversations and the phone calls that you, my listeners, were getting, everybody on this station for across all three shows, right, all of the Auburn fans that were calling in and talking about this season coming up, right? You said, most of you said, I'd be fine with 7-5. and five. A lot of you even said you'd be fine with 6-6, six and six, right? Nobody was really expecting 8, 9, 10 wins. And guess what? Auburn could lose this game on Saturday against Ole Miss and could still go 7-5 and five or possibly 8-4. and four. That's what you call perspective right there, folks. 334-321-1390. Got just a couple of minutes. Let's get back to the phone lines. You're on the line. Who am I speaking with? Hey, Inspector. Hey, Inspector. You be, got about a minute or two, man. What's up? I'll be quick. Both you and Mark are correct. But I will tell you this. Uh, my expectations were not high at all. I, I, I was expecting six, eight at best. But I do expect improvement from game to game. Correct. And I think that's what most. I think that's what most Auburn fans really want is improvement from game to game. Mm-hmm. We we don't want a regression at, at game six. We don't want a, a regression backwards. Or just stalling so, out, right? Just not seeing exactly. anything going forwards or backwards. Yeah, we you and I have talked exactly. about that. I'm with you 100. percent Yeah, but anyway, yeah, that's, that's right. You're both right, and uh, but I'll give you another perspective. But we just want progression. Yeah, absolutely. You're absolutely right. Appreciate it, Specter. See you. Great to hear from you as well. And, and, and I think that's spot on. Auburn fans aren't – nobody is expecting this to be a 9 or 10 win season, but Specter's spot on and so is Mark. you got to make some progress, right? you got to be – what did I talk about in the preseason? I said I wanted Auburn to be competitive in these games. You were competitive in Texas A&M. The score may not show it, but you were. It got away from you late. You were definitely competitive in the Georgia game. You played them within a touchdown, the number one team in the country. LSU, no, you weren't competitive. And that was a bad game. And Hugh Freeze will tell you that. This weekend, be competitive. Be in the game for four quarters. And then these other games coming up, give yourself a chance to win. Right? And then you're the better team, more likely. Win those games. And you've got a great chance to go 7-5. and And if you beat a team you're not supposed to, a.k.a. Alabama, all of a sudden you're 8-4, and right? All of a sudden you're 8-4. And And progress has to be made to get to that point. Believe me, you've got to make progress if you want to beat Alabama because right now you're not beating them in the Iron Bowl. I don't care that it is played in Jordan-Hare Stadium. They'll come in here and beat Auburn right now. 
If they were to play this Saturday, Alabama would win. I don't know by how much, but they would. And here's the thing I'll say on recruiting before I get kicked out of here. I know that people are talking about that this team and this coaching staff are trying to play a certain way to influence recruits. I don't care about any of that. You know what influences recruits more than anything? Winning football games. That's what they want to see. So I don't care what you have to do. Win games and they will come. We'll talk to Chris Gordy, host of the Locked on SEC podcast, about that and everything else in the conference when we come back. You are on the line with Jacob Goertz on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. 30 more minutes here on the Thursday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. I'm Jacob Goins with you inside the Auburn Plaza Bar and Lounge Studio here on the Auburn Opelika Sports Leader ESPN 106.7. Our longtime Thursday guest at 3.30, it's Chris Gordy, host of the Locked on SEC podcast. Chris, great to hear from you, man. Tell everybody where you're checking in from today. Uh, yeah, man. So this time of year, I'm always doing double duty. I'm doing all my SEC stuff. I always try to get a couple road trips in uh, early in the year because, uh, you know, my radio station I work with in Houston, we cover the Houston Astros in the postseason. And so usually I'm traveling with them throughout the playoffs. And, uh, you know, last whatever, five, six years, they've been playing for World Series just about every year. So, yeah, coming to you from the field here at Globe Life Field in Dallas, ahead uh, of game, what is this, ALCS game four tonight. So going to be doing that. I'll, uh, Already got a lot of my locked on SEC work done for the day, a lot of film work. I'll record that later on tonight. We'll have that up tomorrow. So, yeah, busy, busy time of year kind of doing the combo, baseball playoffs and, and SEC football. But uh, it's fun, man. I'd rather be doing this than, you know, like just sit at home all through January. So this is fun. Yeah, man. Well, I know it's a busy time, and you do such a great job with everything and all your work that you do uh, with the Astros and, of course, with the SEC and your podcast, the Locked on SEC podcast, and that's what we want to talk about. Uh, we didn't have you on last week because I didn't do a show last week because I didn't have a voice, and that doesn't really go well when you do in radio. So um, we got to recap a little bit from the past couple of weeks. I want to give you a chance to talk about that LSU-Auburn game really quickly. Don't want to harp on it too much because my listeners may turn the radio station, but LSU Auburn. Um, I know you're you're a big LSU guy. That was a beatdown in Baton Rouge, man. And LSU really got to flex their muscles on offense against Auburn on that on that game there in Baton Rouge. Yeah, I knew LSU's offense was going to move the ball. I did think Auburn's defense was good enough to you know get some stops and force them to settle for field goals. And we saw that in the first half, right? I mean, out there, Auburn was as bad as they were offensively. Was still kind of in the game at half because. They kept forcing LSU to settle for field goals and not touchdowns. And then, lo and behold, the, the gates kind of broke open there in the second half. And, of course, Auburn's lack of offense, uh, you know, showed out. But, you know, it was kind of that question of, you know, we went into last week where Auburn was right near the bottom in, in uh, passing offense and LSU's defense was right near the bottom in passing defense. So it was like, all right, well, something's got to give here. Well, I thought the LSU passing defense really stepped up and played well. I mean, um, you know, their, their pass rush up front has changed a lot. They brought in uh, this guy, longtime D-line coach Pete Jenkins, who worked for years under Nick Saban and about every different coach at LSU. They brought him in to work under Brian Kelly, and we've seen an improved LSU pass rush these last couple weeks, and I thought Mason Smith had a really good game. Look, Auburn's offensive line is just, it, it still is, I don't even know if you call it a work in progress. It's just, it's not good, um, you know, and you're starting to see that with, 
a lot of these transfer portal pieces we were optimistic about with Auburn in the offseason. It's just they're not hitting. And Peyton Thorne might be the, the, the biggest miss of them all. Um, you know, I know Hugh Freeze is doing a good job of protecting him. He keeps deferring, saying, oh, now we got, we got, it's way bigger than just Peyton. Isn't it? I mean, you know, you got Jarquez Hunter as a good running back. You get, I, I like the whole, you know, back, backfield room at Auburn. I think yeah. you got good running backs all over. I think the, the O line is, is okay, but to me, it's just the quarterback spot. I just, if it were me, if Hugh Freeze called me today and say, hey, what should we do moving forward? I would say, Dude, we got to move on from Peyton Thorne. Wow. I would put Robbie Ashford in there. I would roll with Ashford. I get it. He's not going to set the world on fire. But it was crazy looking at the stats from the LSU Auburn game a year ago and see how many yards Robbie Ashford threw for in that game a year ago. Over 300. Like, yeah, I, I would, yeah, I would have taken my chances. <laughs> Just said, look, Robbie, it's your game. So it is what it is. It's not It's not good. And, look, I think this week against Ole Miss, the, the Jordan Harris is going to be rocking. I think – I think that stadium, the crowd will keep them in it for the first half. I just don't know if they could sustain into the second half. Kind of like we saw against Georgia. And, uh, you know, as of now, just kind of look at all the numbers and everything. It feels like to me, it's a game where Ole Miss is going to pull away in the second half. Now, look, Auburn could, you know, Jalen Simpson, some of those guys could get some, you know, force some turnovers and force some mistakes. You know, maybe a punt return for a touchdown. Like something could happen big for Auburn to keep them in it. But as of now, it just feels like a game that Ole Miss is going to pull away late. Looking at some of the other results from last week, you had Alabama squeaking out a win against Arkansas that they tried to give back to the Hogs. Uh, Tennessee beating Texas A&M in a weird matchup. Missouri continuing to win in the SEC. Florida uh, five and two somehow or never uh, beating South Carolina. So as we're right around that halfway point in the SEC and in of college football. What is your biggest surprise, good or bad, in the SEC as you look at standings and records and who's beaten who, Chris? What are some of your biggest surprises so far this season in this conference? Yeah, I think the, the biggest surprise is the quarterback play has not been what maybe we thought it was going to be coming into the year. I mean, on paper, it looked like, man, these are all really good quarterbacks with a lot of potential. And so far, really, the only ones living up to the hype are, are Jaden Daniels, who I think is maybe even a little bit better than I thought he was going to be. Uh, and maybe Jackson Dart, you know, at Ole Miss, he's having a really nice year. Um, you know, Carson Beck's doing okay. You know, I think he's, he's doing fine, although losing Brock Bowers is, is going to be a big, uh, you know, needle to the balloon, it feels like. But, yeah, that's tough. Yeah, Joe, I, I mean, the game this weekend, the game of the week, Alabama-Tennessee, Joe Milton and Jalen Milrow have been the epitome of good, not great. And, you know, we, we just become so accustomed to – having some great quarterbacks in the SEC the last few years. And it's funny to look at that over-under of that game and see it, you know, it was around 48, I think, last I saw. Both teams in this game scored 48 last year between, uh, you know, Tennessee and Alabama. But, but Bryce Young and Hendon Hooker are gone now. And so we got to turn our, turn our eyes in, into a, more of a defensive battle this week. But I, I think, to me, that's the biggest surprise at the midway point of the season is just, how the quarterback play has just been not up to snuff. I mean, even, you know, Spencer Rattler's done everything he could at, at South Carolina, but the offensive line stinks, the defense stinks, and they can't win games there. Um, Graham Mertz is probably a little bit better than I thought he would be. You know, 80% completion percentage. He's doing a good job of taking care of the football, making smart throws, and I think that's why Florida is a little bit better than we expected right now record-wise. But outside of that, I mean, A&M loses Connor Wegman. Max Johnson's not very good. It's just it's a lot of mediocre to average quarterback play across the conference. 
Would you? I mean, I, we had this conversation earlier about the SEC as a whole. I mean, it, it's down this year. Now, the conference is still good, and it's still the SEC when you compare it to other conferences. But I don't think it's at the top this year, especially when you see what the Pac-12 is doing right now. Yeah, but again, the Pac-12 is going to beat up on one another. I mean, right. We just saw that this past week with Oregon and Washington, and you know everybody's going to play everybody. USC already took the loss to Notre Dame, so. You know, the Pac-12 is looking great, but, you know, eventually people have to start taking losses because they all start playing each other in conference. So, yeah, uh, it, they look like the bell of the ball right now, no doubt. But, you know, who's to say? Like, it, it, right now, if we predicted Georgia goes in the SEC championship undefeated and Alabama, you know, wins out and, and let's say they beat Georgia in the, cha- in the SEC championship game, I think it's a good shot. You know, Alabama is a one-loss SEC champ. They're in. And I think Georgia will make a compelling argument to, to be, hey, we were undefeated. We just lost in the conference championship, but they would have a shot at the fourth seed, depending on what the other conference champions look like. So, you know, it, it doesn't seem realistic right now, but there, there is a world, there's a realm where the SEC could get two teams in. So. And it seems like to me, Chris, this year, it seems like there needs to be the expanded playoff this season more than ever just because of the uh, the parity in college football where there is no just one great team. I mean, Michigan's playing pretty well, but who have they played, right? That's the biggest question with them. And, and Georgia's got some question marks. You mentioned already uh, the biggest news of the week in the conference was Brock Bowers going down. Um, I mean, it just seems like there is no one great team in college football right now. Is we're at the halfway point. Yeah, I like uh, Reese Davis's explanation though on the Brock Bowers injury. He goes, "This might actually be a good thing for Georgia." He said, "Because you know now it opens the door for somebody else to step up, whether that's Oscar Delp, Lawson Lucky, or one of those guys. And let's say one of those guys emerges as a go-to target the next couple weeks for Carson Beck and becomes a really good tight end. You know, remember Dwayne Washington? He was a nice compliment. He ended up being a high draft pick, and you know, was off in the NFL doing his thing. But like." It's a funny concept to think, like, let's say Oscar Delp shows up and shows up the next few weeks, becomes really good, and you go, man, that's a hell of a tight end. Then we're talking somewhere around the SEC championship game, Georgia gets Brock Bowers back, and now they have him and Delp as weapons. So it's kind of a, it's kind of a dangerous proposition of, you know, next man up when you stack in four or five-star recruits in every position. You know, next man up is a, is a weird thing because it just is an opportunity for somebody else to develop into a monster. Chris Gordy, host of the Locked On SEC podcast, joining us here during the Thursday edition of On the Line, as he does each and every week. Looking at the games this weekend, um, the SEC doesn't have uh, a ton to to offer. You do have, of course, uh, the Alabama and Tennessee game. It is the third Saturday in October. Uh, you've got uh, Arkansas, Mississippi State, I guess. But like outside of the Alabama-Tennessee game, and if Auburn Ole Miss is interesting, it's just not all that pretty of a week in the sec chris it's not i mean i was just looking the sec network saturday night game with uh tom hart jordan rogers and cole kublik they're doing lsu army i mean that's how Brutal. that's how rough this week's slate is so um you know, it was kind of funny i was looking at the history of that game lsu and army have played once before and army won that game at west point but it was in like <laughs> 1931 so, how about that you know it's just one of those yeah one of those weird flukes but um you know, it's, yeah, you're right. It's just that time of year where we have, what is it, five or six teams in the conference all on buys this week. And then next week we'll have, you know, LSU and Alabama and a few more guys on bye week. So it's, it's just that time of the year. But, look, I think, you know, the, these are these wins where we're talking about some of these teams that are still, you know, maybe not in contention for the SEC West or SEC East title, but 
We're talking about these. These are the games that will decide whether you are a, you know, seven and five, eight and four team going to a really good bowl game, or a team that's, you know, fighting for six and six and just fighting to to get bowl eligible. So, you know, some important games this weekend. I, I mean, I think Arkansas Mississippi State is one. Mississippi State with injuries to Will Rogers and and Jaquavius Marks. We don't know if either of them are going to play. Might see Mike Wright start at quarterback for Mississippi State. If that's the case, Arkansas, you got to win. Uh, look, they've won or lost how, how many is it, four or five in a row now? But, like, they've all been close. They've all been won by one score. And I hate to say the moral victory thing, but, hell, yeah, they, they should take a bow for how they fought that second half against Alabama and, you know, nearly pulled off the upset. So, um, you know, I, I think that's an important one. And then South Carolina at Mizzou. Look, Mizzou is rolling right now. Eli Drinkwitz has those guys – going and you know they don't blow that second second half uh lead against lsu they're they might be undefeated right now Mizzou. so you know big one against south carolina if you're south carolina shade beamer broken foot and all dude you got two wins on the season you lose this one like they're not getting the six wins so mm. it's it's a weak slate but it's also some important games for a lot of different programs including that game in Tuscaloosa, Tennessee, and Alabama. Both teams just one loss on the season as a whole. Tennessee 2-1 and one in the conference. Bama undefeated in SEC play. I don't know what they're doing. I don't know how they're doing it, Chris, but Alabama continues to find ways to win, and Milrow just does enough, right? <laughs> just seems he does just enough for Alabama to win. Um, your, your thoughts on that game this weekend as Alabama, I'm looking at it right now, favored by nine at home against Tennessee. Yeah, that's what's funny is is Alabama, okay, they haven't looked like Alabama, but they're still finding ways to win, and they're making the big plays when they need to, right? I mean, we saw that against Ole Miss, we saw right. that against A&M, and then we saw that against Arkansas late. Look, they, they could have, they got the ball back with, I think it was like 540 to go in the game. They never gave the ball back to Arkansas. Every big third down, Jalen Milrow made the right throw, made the right read. They picked up the first down, kept the clock turning, and they never gave the ball back to KJ Jefferson. So, you know, look, it's, it's that time of year where win ugly. You know, I mean, it doesn't have to be pretty. Just find a way to win. And uh, that's what this game against uh, Alabama and Tennessee is going to be. I keep predicting somewhere like 20, 23 to 20. My buddy Luke Robinson, who does Locked on Bama, I think he said this the final will be 19 to 13. I mean, oh. this is going <laughs> to be an ugly, an ugly slobber knocker with two teams that like to run the football and two teams that like to get after it up front. You know, they're, they're to- both top three in the SEC in sacks. Um, and both quarterbacks have been sacked a lot. Well, at least Jalen Jalen um, Miller has. Uh, Joe Milton hasn't, but Joe Milton has not thrown for barely you know any yards this year. He's just you know against the good opponents, he's he's struggling. And then they lose Bruce McCoy for the season. So yeah, this one's going to be ugly. It's going to be one of those slobber knocker games. But Tennessee's uh, got a chance, man. The, the longer they're in this game till the very end, they got a chance at the upset. And and if Bama loses, my God, you're talking about it going to a bye week and then the LSU the week after. Um, Bama might be out of this thing as quickly as you know they thought they had a chance. They could be out of this thing in two weeks. And I've been saying it about Tennessee, Chris. Everybody kind of wrote them off after that Florida loss, but they've just quietly been handling business against South Carolina, got a, a, a nasty win against Texas A&M. If they're able to do it against Alabama, they're still in the running with Missouri and Georgia down the line. So it uh, should be a good game. It should be one of the better games in the SEC this weekend. We're talking with Chris Gordy, host of the Locked On SEC podcast. One more thing before I let you get out of here, Chris. SEC Basketball Media Day was yesterday. I know basketball season right around the corner. We're like two weeks away, man. Uh, what gets you excited about SEC basketball is we'll be talking to you about that as well in the next couple of weeks. 
you know, it's a lot of new faces. I mean, a lot of the, the stars we come, came to know over the last year or two are gone. We got a couple back. It's so funny when, when a guy comes back to, like, his junior year, we're like, this guy's still playing? <laughs> I saw that with uh, so you know, Tennessee. Was a vet, you know, Santiago Vescovi, he's back. I was like, my God, I thought that guy was long gone. But, um, yeah, we're seeing that around around the conference. There's some names that are back, but a lot of new faces at Alabama and Auburn. And, you know, SEC's going to be loaded once again. And, uh, you know, I was, I was talking to somebody about Matt McMahon at LSU. They were the bottom dweller last year, but they've hit the transfer portal and brought in a bunch of new guys. So, between, you know, four- and five-star recruits and the transfer portal, man, it's just roster overhaul all across the SEC. So, going to be a loaded SEC West once again. We'll see what Bruce Pearl and company can do this year. Excited for basketball season, but do not want to wish away football season as we got another good weekend coming up in the SEC. Chris Gordy, host of the Locked on SEC podcast, joins me every Thursday. He's been joining me for a long, long time now here on the show. We appreciate him. He's got boots on the ground for uh, the Houston Astros and Texas Rangers. Man, are your Astros going to turn it around and try to win this series? Or are they going to let the Rangers stay hot and take them and send them home? Man, what's going on? Well, it looks pretty good last night getting the first win in the series, so uh, win this one today. Uh, series is back tied 2-2, so we'll see, man. It's uh, going to be a fun one tonight. Yeah, should be a lot of fun. Hey, plug everything you got real quick. I know you got to get out of here. Plug everything you got where people can find you and how they can listen to all your stuff. Yeah, just uh, Locked on SEC wherever you get your podcast. We've got the uh, uh, episode up today previewing the Alabama-Tennessee game with our guys who do uh, Locked on Bama and Locked on Balls, and then uh, our, our buddy Chris Marler, he joined us a couple days ago for our weekly segment, breaking down the whole landscape of the SEC, and then tomorrow will be our weekend preview where we'll make picks for every game and uh, break down each one and tell you if Auburn has a chance to keep it close with Ole Miss all locked on SEC. Has a chance to keep it close. I heard that. I picked up on that, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I appreciate you, man. Go do what you got to do. Enjoy the game tonight. Safe travels all around, and I'll talk to you next week. All right, thanks, Jacob. That's Chris Gordy, host of the Locked On SEC podcast. Again, he joins me every single Thursday. Uh, he's been with me for a long, long time, folks, and he does a fantastic job. Go find his podcast. Just search Locked On SEC wherever you get your podcast. We'll come back and wrap up the Thursday edition of On the Line here on ESPN 106.7. You are on the line on ESPN 106.7. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Winding down here on the Thursday edition of On the Line, big thanks to Chris Gordy, host of the Locked On SEC podcast. Joins me every Thursday talking about all things SEC. Um, Unfortunately, it really just isn't the most exciting weekend of football in the Southeastern Conference. Like Auburn Ole Miss is going to be good. And Alabama, Tennessee is going to be good. But, I mean, Arkansas, Mississippi State could be good, but it's not, you don't look at, you don't look at that game and say, oh man, like you're, you're not going to carve out a time in your day on Saturday to sit down and watch this Arkansas, Mississippi State game, right? Same thing with pretty much all the other games. Like, it's just nothing crazy going on this weekend, but two really good ones. And as always, uh, we do appreciate Chris joining us on the show uh, and talking about the SEC recapping what happened last week with Auburn LSU 
and of course previewing uh, what's coming up this weekend and talking a little basketball as well because you had media day uh, yesterday and basketball season is right around the corner so uh, excited for that appreciate Chris uh, joining us on the show also Keith Etheridge uh, head football coach at Auburn High School joined us today and then uh, no Brad Law today but I did have uh, the Auburn volleyball coach head coach Brent Crouch join me here on the show today as well so all of that was today Plus, a lot of great phone calls from you. Great conversation. We talked uh, Auburn football's newest commit, um, which is a big, big commit, by the way. So we talked about that today. Uh, talked some recruiting. Talked a little Auburn Ole Miss as well. Um, Kendarius Reddick is the commit we talked about. And, man, he is just he, – he's a stud. I mean, he is a big-time player, big-time get for Auburn in 2025 the number one athlete top 10 player out of Georgia top 40 player in 2025 so we talked a lot about him um, and just great conversations today so if you missed any of the show you know what to do go find the podcast right after the show today we post it commercial free on ESPNAU.com or wherever you get your podcast just search on the line so busy show here today we got another busy one for you tomorrow I'll have my interview with Auburn Lime Backer Eugene Asante that previewed yesterday on the drive for Tiger Takes. I'll have that tomorrow. I've got an old Miss guest coming on tomorrow. Excited to talk uh, with him. His name is Stephen Willis. He is the host of Locked On Old Miss. So excited to have him on. And of course, Uncle T Bone Wade Bennett will join us in the studio tomorrow as well. So busy show today, busy show tomorrow as we get closer and closer to Auburn and Ole Miss on Saturday. I'm excited, man. I'm excited to talk some more about it. And I think Auburn, like Chris said, has a chance to keep it close. (laughs) Has a chance to keep it close. And if they do that, under the lights and Jordan Hare, you just never know. You never know what's going to happen. We'll talk a lot more about that tomorrow on the Friday edition of On the Line. Two to four right here on ESPN 106.7. Until then, I'm Jacob Goins. Stay safe. I'll talk to you later.